and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and the best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. I'm so careful about putting things into my body these days, and this is the only CBD company I've come to trust with my wellness. They are organically farmed, gluten-free, and have absolutely zero THC in their products. It's just a clean CBD to help you ditch your stress, sleep better, and soothe anxiety. My absolute favorite product of theirs is the orange cream gummies. They also have raspberry and strawberry, which are really good. And after about two weeks of having one gummy every single evening with CBD in it to treat my little sweet tooth with the dessert, I can't help but notice that my sleep has drastically improved every single night. I actually wear a ring to measure my sleep and it's just undeniable what these little gummy friends have done for me. And without THC, you're just getting the calming effects of the CBD plant, none of the high, which is why they are so safe to take. They each come in 10 milligrams or 25 milligram doses of CBD to calm you down from the day in the sweetest and tastiest of ways. And the best thing about them is that they don't taste at all like CBD. I once tried another CBD gummy bear from another company and it was like, whoa, it tasted like I was eating a skunk wrapped in marijuana and sugar. So anyway, I've come to love these little gummies from Soul CBD, and as a way to love myself, to use whatever resources exist in the world that help me be more well as a human, these are so one of them. So our friends at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystahl.com slash soul. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L dot com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the U-Turn code at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get in to this week's episode. I'm, I'm scared to bring who I am because I'm scared the relationship's going to end. Um, I've got to ask myself, would I rather be in be small and not bring who I am and get what I'm currently getting or would I rather take a risk and find out what's going to happen and if I lose this person and I'm being me maybe that's actually a good thing because at least I have myself going on you turn friends it's ash here and i'm so excited to have jason gaddis on the podcast today and we are going to be talking about how conflict in relationship is truly an opportunity and one thing i have not yet shared with all of you on the podcast because it feels so vulnerable is at the end of covid just a few months ago i made the really challenging decision to call a completion to my really beautiful relationship with William. And you've all heard me talk about him and he has been such a vehicle for my learning. And that's why I thought in the love category this week, we could really take a look at how 
COVID and career and all of these external forces can play a role in your relationship. So those of you who don't know Jason, he has an awesome podcast called Relationship School. I'm about to be on it, which I'm so excited about. He's an author, a relationship expert, and a coach who teaches people the one class they probably didn't get in school, which is how to do relationships. So he leads one of the most in-depth and comprehensive relationship educational programs, and he trains relationship coaches all over the world. He has thousands of fans and followers across multiple channel. His podcast, The Relationship School, like I mentioned, it has more than 5 million downloads. So he's the visionary behind the Relationship School brand and his first book, which is called Getting to Zero, out in October 2021, which is coming up and should be uh, right when this podcast is airing. So Jason, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Yeah. Grateful to be here, Ashley. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously I can't help but ask you what, what got you so into relationships? Were you a little bit messy in that category at one point? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, <laughs> on me. You're on to me already. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a sensitive, empathic boy and I got the message from my culture, my environment that that wasn't okay. And so I, you know, tried on a bunch of strategies to try to get acceptance like most of us do as kids. And that led me to guard my heart um, and block my feelings and block really my sensitivity. And so when I started entering into adult relationships in my 20s, I I was that guy. I was the emotionally unavailable man that kept women at an arm's length. And, you know, whenever they would ask me what's wrong or are you okay or how are we or any of that shit, it felt like conflict to me and I would push them away. I'd get a beer and I'd go climbing or something and I felt better. So I concluded that it must be them uh, because I got relief when I wasn't around them. And I, I was in that for like 10 years, uh, that pattern. And then I realized I was the problem. Um, I was the one common denominator and, you know, it was another painful breakup and breaking another woman's heart. And I was like, shit, I gotta, I gotta fix this. And so I started to work on myself and eventually, you know, here I am married and two kids and teaching this stuff. So what is your opinion on when people say, when you know, you know? Uh, I think that's sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I you know, my sometimes. friend is, my friend's a therapist and so some, my best friend, Nicole. And so sometimes I get a little insight into just her world and she was sharing that what she sees is that sometimes one person knows the other person doesn't. And then eventually they both do eventually, you know, sometimes right. it's like a one night stand and both of them don't know for a while. And then suddenly they yeah. both realize. And so there, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or wrong if two people are on a different pace, but it can definitely be challenging. And I know that pace is something that can be a challenge in relationships. So I'm, I'm curious, um, for people who are out there dating or even in their relationship, what are some indicators that maybe you're not in the right relationship, or maybe it is time to rethink it? Because I know we're talking about conflict yeah. today and conflict is so healthy, but there's probably also some, some red flags where it's, it's beyond conflict. It's just not a fit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm good to talk about whatever here. And yeah, I think one of the biggest red flags is when you start to get the feeling that it's not mutual mm. and mutual can be just a feeling, a felt sense of like, it doesn't feel fair here. Like I'm the one always wanting to talk about us. I'm the one wanting to do coaching or read the book or try to improve the relationship. That can work for a little while, but if the other person continues to not do much there, it starts to not feel fair and not feel mutual. Um, so both people need to be invested 
and interested and willing to continue to take risks and go a little deeper. Um, otherwise, it sets up the dynamic where I'm attached to you, but you're not really attached to me. And and that creates what I call an insecure relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And so it just it's just more, you're going to fight about more stuff. It's going to feel more crunchy. Eventually, you'll resent the person. They'll resent you because you keep trying to change them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so willingness is like mutual willingness and fairness is a good thing to look for consistently. Mm. Okay. So speaking of that, I know that there's a lot of people listening who they're maybe dating right now. And it's kind of like that weird dicey zone where it's not easy yeah. to tell if it's mutual because it's new. So yeah. do you have any uh, mindset for, or insight for people listening around, you know, this idea of consistency, but also juggling being new to something and not having too many expectations of someone that you quite frankly don't know yet, you yeah. know, um, what's your take on that with dating? Yeah. Follow your desire and have, it's okay to have expectations. Like we talk about real things. Um, it's okay to be myself and be vulnerable and take risks and share who I actually am versus trying to put my best foot forward and hide this, you know, carnage behind me that I've been through in my life. So bringing, bringing your authenticity and truth up front, I think is key. Mm -hmm. And, um, following your desire. If again, it's consistently isn't met with their desire toward you, not just physically, but like, Hey, I want to be with you. And I'm, Hey, I'm initiating a text thread back to you. Hey, how are you tonight? Hey, what's going on? Do you want to hang out? Like if it, if I'm not feeling that coming from the other person, it starts to feel one-sided, mm-hmm. you know? So when you're like the mindset has to be, I demand or deserve is maybe better a mutual vibe where they're pursuing me also, like it's okay if one person's a little more on the shy side and one's pursuer and the other one's kind of maybe the distancer. But the distancer, we have to feel like they're interested in us. We have to feel that they care and they want to be with us, mm-hmm. um, even with their kind of withdrawing kind of ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. And I mean, in the beginning, it's kind of like you're just starting out and you don't, you're not texting every day, you're not on the phone every day. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that. I don't want to say scary, but that new zone where you're kind of creating a pace with someone. So do you have any words of wisdom for people who are maybe on the first or the second date and they would love to hear from the other person a little bit more, but it's new and they don't want to have too many expectations or vice versa. They, yeah. um, yeah, just curious. Yeah, we don't want to scare the person off, right. By being like too needy or blowing up their phone or whatever. Right. Yeah. I hear that um, all the time. Yeah. So it's important to pace ourselves, of course, with our desire or interest or excitement about this new person. And uh, it's still, my message is the same, even though just disclaimer here, I'm not a dating coach. So just let's be clear about that. But I can share my opinions here and experience. Um, Still pursue the person because you're, that feels genuine to you, Mm -hmm. right? That's true for you. And be yourself from the start, which sounds simplistic and maybe, um, tried or something, but it's really true. It's like, talk about who you actually are, including some of your pain or some of the things you've been through in the past as a way to filter out people that don't want that. Mm. Cause that will definitely come back to bite you later on when you actually sleep with this person, have a baby. And now it turns out they, um, are really repulsed by who you actually are. Right. Uh. So you may as well like get it out or, you know, titrate it out slowly over many dates of like who you are and what you stand for. 
you know, it's interesting with that is that I think sometimes people reject themselves before they allow themselves to be rejected by the other person. Yeah, and so I think that's true. it's, it's, it's almost like when I, um, you know, having got on a, out of a really beautiful relationship and just choosing that, even though it was really good, I think that there's really great out there for me. It was interesting because I told myself like, well, eventually when I start dating again, I'm going to be straightforward about who I am. I'm not going to contort or be codependent or hide anything, but there's a fine line between sitting down and being like, okay, let's sit down. I've got Lyme disease. My sister died. Like, let me tell you everything that was messy in my life versus get to know me and I'll share over time. So I know that there's some people listening where they're going to take that message and say, I'm going to go, I'm just going to tell everybody all of my shit. And and it's like, what are you doing? This is not there's still something around first impressions and navigating people. So it's delicate. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. And it's sort of like oversharing, right? Have you ever been in a group setting where, you know, someone just kind of grabs the mic and they just can't wait to tell everybody all their pain or dramas or whatever's going on. And it's sort of off-putting at the same time. Like, can we be vulnerable in a way that we sense the other person is like available for yeah, because uh, we do want to, you know, it takes a risk to share our heart with someone, and we don't want to be rejected, and we don't want them to judge us or criticize us or leave us. Under all understandable, and we still have to risk being who we are. Yeah, I still do encourage slowly over time over many dates. It's like you're rolling out what you stand for and what you're about and where you come from. Um, yeah, and you want to yeah. be with people who are genuinely interested in who you really are, not the surface shit. Well, yeah, it's funny. You're saying you have to risk being who you are. It's like, holy shit. We live in a world where being yourself is a risk. Like, isn't it just insane that like choosing to be you, there's so many messages and so much delusion that we have to try to be ourselves because it's against the grain of all these messages we get. So speaking of that, when you're yourself, obviously conflict is natural because, you know, I, I have very few friends who are married with no conflict that I'm aware of. Um, and a lot of them use their con and it's all about how you repair. Right. So they, you yeah. know, they, nice. they heal yeah. through their yeah. conflict, but what can you share about conflict? I know that you said you're pro conflict. So let's say that someone is dating, they find someone great. It seems like it's meshing. They get into a relationship and boom, conflict time. Hey, U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail and it works with any other email provider really that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called the Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to anymore. The Sane Later box automatically uses artificial intelligence 
to know that you don't want that email and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days, I check my same later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox. And now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Okay, let me let me see if I can develop that a little bit by adding in some a layer of context here. Yeah. Based on what we were just talking about about be ourselves and then I'll kind of weave in the conflict thing. So my my son for example is just going to middle school. And I don't know if you remember middle school for you, but for me, it was a mess. It was so scary. And Mm -hmm. like, talk about, I can't really be myself here um, or I'm going to get beat up, made fun of, whatever. So um, we all have a place in our life where we decided to not reveal who we actually are, right? And because we didn't want to be rejected or made fun of, um, especially as kids. But a lot of us are still in that place. Mm -hmm for whatever reason. And so conflict becomes a doorway into authenticity and truth telling in a way that I don't know what else does. So if we don't want to be rejected, for example, we're going to withhold truth because the fear is if I, if I bring it out in the open, bring who I am out in the open, it will create conflict because that's what happened back then. I was myself and bad things happened. Mm -hmm. So we have this association self, true self equals bad stuff. So, Conflict becomes this amazing journey to reclaim who we actually are Mm. through the process of trial and error and fumbling over ourselves and being a little messy in relationship. We start to go, actually, this is me. This is my real voice. And this is what I really think and feel. And I'm going to take a risk and bring it here with you. And it likely is going to create conflict. That's not a problem. The problem is, like you said, how do we repair and how do you handle me when I bring it all out? in the open and how do I handle you when you bring your stuff out in the open? Can we be a team learning how to navigate who we actually are? And I think this is a beautiful process I call the conflict repair cycle. And it's really just to me, the journey back home to, to our authentic true self. Mm, I love this. Okay. And you know, I know everybody listening has good intentions, like we're as human beings and we all want to be effective. We all want the best for ourselves and for the people we love. And yet sometimes there's relationships where somebody brings conflict to the table and the conflict gets even bigger. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like they're in a power struggle and they're stuck in a cycle, you know? Um, so I'm curious, like what would be your message? Uh, and, and at what point is it like, Hey, you guys aren't a match. There's a problem here and it's beyond just repairing. Yeah. Well, I was sitting in a, um, bar one night with my friend when we, my wife and I were dating many years ago. We've been married now 14 years together, almost 18. Wow. Amazing. Breakups. Yeah. And we're sitting at this bar and where we'd meet sometimes for a drink. And he's like, bro, 
your relation, you guys fight all the time. Is, do you ever think about like, maybe this isn't the one? And I really, I was like, oh shit, you're right. Like, oh, I'm fighting too much. Cause we were both kind of training to be therapists. Can you imagine the fights and processing for hours and trying to oh, figure it gosh. out? And it just went on in circles sometimes, but it happened a lot. We would trigger each other and we just go into these places where we're just stuck for a long time. So his judgment was that's bad, right? You shouldn't be with a person like that. That's too much, too often, too frequent, whatever. Well, it turns out we just didn't know how to effectively get through the snags we were encountering. And we were learning actually how. So that was crazy. We were learning how, not so much in grad school, we were learning how on our own uh, because grad school doesn't teach you how to work through conflict, even in a psych program. Uh. But we slowly found our way and it started getting better and we started getting more and more effective and found our way. And so the arguments started becoming less and less and less. So really it's about the two personalities. Are you willing and then are you willing to learn? And can you um, stay in the fire until you get to zero, I call it, or get to the other side where you feel good again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if a person, the, the, the issue is when one person or both people, but often it's one person, just will not come to the table and continues to point the finger at you and all your problems. Mm-hmm. That's not really fair. And that's not really a relationship. And those people are going to have a hard time getting to zero. Well, so that's, that I have a really real question about that. I mean, sometimes you look at, especially a toxic relationship and maybe there's somebody who has like a personality disorder or something that is very much showing up and it is kind of on them that the relationship isn't working. Although it takes two to tangle, although someone else is complicit in choosing to be there or abandon themselves or whatever. (laughs) Um, So is there a time where you would say maybe that does make sense, you know? Oh, you mean to leave? Yeah. Or to say this is on that person and it's not on me. Like there's something toxic about this human being and I'm participating in it. And that's the extent of my involvement is choosing to participate. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you're with someone with a personality disorder, the hallmark signature is someone who won't take responsibility for their part Mm -hmm. and then who won't also follow it up with consistent action to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of the simplistic definition of someone like that. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever their label is, you don't, you're not going to get very far with a person like that. And you're going to be beating your head against a wall and you're going to feel blamed and made wrong and gaslighted and stonewalled and the list goes on. So I, I don't recommend those relationships. Definitely <laughs> learn your lesson though, yeah. before you exit and learn how to get stronger in your voice and your boundaries so that you can move to the next relationship even stronger. You know, boundaries are such an interesting topic when it comes to conflict and relationships. And it, it's like, everybody's talking about boundaries. I used to think I was amazing at boundaries and I, I am in a lot of ways, but it's been interesting for me to notice core stories that I have. Like, for example, anybody listening, who's a giver, I kind of have a story sometimes like, oh, I just give and give and give. And these people are taking, mm-hmm. and it's like realizing, are they takers or are they just people who know to, how to ask for what they want? And if I'm around people who know how to ask for what they want, I just need to have better boundaries of when I'm not game to do that dance or provide that thing to them. Totally. And that's really mature of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I think people sometimes um, either don't know how to say the boundary or set the boundary, or they don't even realize their gas tank is empty and then they just want out and they're done and they don't, you know, um, and so it's really an art to notice like, oh, my gas tank is getting a little bit low with this one. So now I'm going to set a boundary. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just a lot to a lot to to shift with even myself saying, oh, wow, it's not that I'm a giver and they're a taker. It's I don't know how to 
you know, set a boundary when it's time for me to stop giving and how powerful for people to realize that. So one of your points was that avoiding conflict creates inner conflict, which to me is like a whole boundary thing on its own. Um, But yeah, can you talk to me a little bit about what that means? Sure. Uh, So whenever I avoid conflict with you, if we're in a relationship or even a friendship, I'm stuffing my truth and I'm avoiding some uncomfortable conversation, which creates tension and conflict inside of me because now there's a part of me that wants to tell the truth and be honest here and a part of me that's too scared. So now I'm in conflict with myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the inner conflict, if you do many years of that, decades of that, like a lot of us do, you're going to be, it's a, it's kind of a dance between your strategic self and your true self. And it's going to just feel bad. And you're going to, I think, have some anxiety and depression because you're not going to be fulfilled trying to be someone you're not and continually stuffing your truth. So again, conflict is this amazing doorway for us to practice being who we are and then finding out if the person we care about will hang in there with us as we discover this process of becoming oneself. Mm, Okay, beautiful. And, you know, I think a lot of people grow up perhaps, I mean, we all have different settings with our attachment figures, but, you know, some people probably grow up in a house where either there's no rules and because of that, they didn't learn how to collaborate with someone because they never got the word no. Right. And then there's other households where, you know, they had so many rules that they never learned what collaboration was because their parents just told them what to do and who to be. Um, So do you have any insight on how people can start to, I don't know, create that space for them to have their own voice? Because I think a lot of us are kind of cut off from what we feel or what we need or or what we think. Yeah. I mean, whatever we got growing up is what we got. And here we are. And if the struggle is to like practice being oneself, then the best place to do that is in a relationship. It's not on the meditation cushion or on the yoga mat. It's actually with other human beings where you get to say, hey, friend, and I always like setting context before a very intimate moment or vulnerable share, which is like, hey, Ashley, is it okay? Uh, I'm practicing just taking more risks and using my voice more in my life. Is it okay if I do that here? Mm -hmm. And is it okay if I share something uncomfortable right now with you? Mm -hmm. And that kind of practice sets us up for, and, and again, it tells me who I'm with. If you're like rolling your eyes, like, oh, that's kind of corny or geez, that's kind of woo woo then maybe that's not the best person you want to actually reveal yourself to if they're going to sort of make fun of what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. But it's a great way to test the waters. And, you know, a good friend is going to say, yeah, of course, I want you to be you. Mm-hmm. And then it's like permission. Cool. I, I'm going to take a risk here and share um, something I've been withholding from you, or I'm going to take a risk sharing something that I dream about that I haven't told anyone about, or I'm going to take a risk and share it with you how I struggle with depression um, or anxiety and I've told no one about it. Um, these are all places where I get to lean in and try to be me and see how it's going to go with the other person. And if they're upset, it triggers them. Not a problem because we have now an opportunity to figure that part out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And, you know, I, um, I don't know, like I have a lot of, um, not, I don't have personal experience with feeling completely cut off from what I need, even though I have this little boundary issue of giving and taking, I seem on the most part to kind of get a gauge of like, Oh, I need this or I need that. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people 
conflict brings up a fear of loss. Like, like you were saying kind yeah. of earlier, like, oh, yeah. well, shit, if I tell them what I need, they might go. What would be mm-hmm. your message for that? Um, and even on the flip side, if somebody receives something and they think to themselves, I yeah. need to go, this isn't good for me. There's a lot of fear of loss. There's a lot of fear of leaving. I, I would just be curious what your message is around that in general. Yeah, I'd ask people if we're talking about the first part, which is the fear of loss. If I'm I'm scared to bring who I am because I'm scared the relationship's going to end. Um, I've got to ask myself: Would I rather be in, be small and not bring who I am and get what I'm currently getting, or would I rather take a risk and find out what's going to happen? And mm-hmm. if I lose this person, and I'm being me, maybe that's actually a good thing because at least I have myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, another thing that you had mentioned before we hit the record button, you talked about like traumas creating your path towards purpose, whether it's in your career or just your life as a whole. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about what that means, what that looks like? Yeah. So we've all been hurt relationally, certainly other ways like car accidents and things, but, um, relationally, most of us have been hurt in some way, shape or form. And then, uh, what I call your relational blueprint, uh, gets laid down through your, you know, hurts and all victories and everything, whatever environment you grew up in relationally is kind of starts setting this template down that I call the relational blueprint that now is going to be and dictate how you do intimate relationships later in life. Um, and that's could be a life sentence, but if you're working on yourself, it's an opportunity again. And you'll find that if you really work through some of the pain and it could have been like a relationship pain type of person often becomes doctor, nurse, therapist, coach type of person. If it's like health pain, cause there was health issues in the family that can be doctor, nurse, health coach, health practitioner, acupuncturist. It's fascinating where you come from. Um, like usually the seeds of your life purpose are sitting in a lot of your injuries growing up and a lot of your, um, traumas. So I just think there's a real opportunity. And again, once again, relationship, um, puts us in touch with some of that pain in an intimate relationship so that we can start to make meaning out of our past and turn it into more of a triumph and a purpose. Okay. And, you know, I feel like we're living in an era where people are processing their relationship on social media they're sharing. And in some ways it's really beautiful. In other ways it feels, um, I don't know, like uh, it just feels like a a lot of information that people are Mm -hmm. sharing. Um, I don't, do you have any insight for people around who to share with or where to go when you feel those traumas coming up or, um, what are some things that they can do alone to move those forward, to release those, to get some sort of healing? Yeah. Uh, first choice is always a the closest friend or intimate partner in your life. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that type of person in your life, then you, you hire a professional, you know, trained relationship coach, a psychotherapist, um, some kind of practitioner that can, you know, be your sounding board. Um, and ideally we all have that. I think throughout our lives as we go through, like I always have a therapist and a coach in my corner and I, my wife is my number one person that I share just about anything with. And then when I, for whatever reason, can't share with her because she's the source of the pain, the trigger, I have my men's group that I go to and other men in my life. Um, I have other female friends. So 
ideally people have, you have a close person, at least one, ideally more than one, like two or three. Um, and then there's paid professionals. And then it's like finding the right kind of person for you. It's not just going to a therapist and being like, Oh, I've never done this, but okay. And I just start talking and I just listen with a clipboard or something. That's not necessarily helpful. Mm -hmm. venting or off-gassing isn't always helpful. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think what you're kind of referring to on social media is people like, they just off-gas or they vent. Mm -hmm. But is that, and and if there's not another person with eyes, especially in person, like with eye contact and like the standing next to you as you walk through the park or whatever, it's not as powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's way more powerful to have a person close by physically. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee. But the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue. And it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean organic superfood blends address these problems head on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress and they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use the code U-Turn. Again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, I love what you're sharing. It kind of reminds me of Brene Brown's work where she talks about vulnerability and how not everybody deserves to hear your story. I'm curious, exactly. like, do you, I would imagine that if somebody is kind of off gassing, like you're sharing, um, they, they might cause more trauma to themselves by opening themselves up to feedback or to people um, viewing them in one way or evaluating them in another Um so let's say that there's something unprocessed and you want to bring it to your partner, but it's not clear yet. Um, do you have any questions for people to ask themselves? Um, maybe they can't afford a therapist or they don't have a lot of friends. Like I, I find that especially my male clients have come to me saying like, they don't have that one friend that they trust with relationship advice, which always yeah. makes my heart kind of sink that they're going through that. So totally, yeah. What would be something that someone can do just with themselves before they air it out or share it out with their partner. Yeah. I'm curious what you'd say too, with mm -hmm. all this. Um, I mean, certainly journaling, right. Is a good one. Um, recording. I love voice notes personally, talking to myself. I talk to myself on walks all the time and that's a really, really good way for me to process mm -hmm. feelings and what I'm going through. 
Um, while I listen to music sometimes, I do that. I always do that out in nature. Um, those are two of my favorite. I'm curious mm-hmm. what you would add there. Well, one thing you mentioned earlier that I really loved was um, the way that you frame conversations. And I, I love that for anyone listening really on anything. You were saying like, hey, I'm going to share something vulnerable and like, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's hard for me to do, but can you listen? I think like naming clears so much shaming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you frame something and name something in the front end. It calls someone forward to hold that with you in a different yeah. way. And so um, if you've done your best to, pro- I love journaling. I always write at the top of my journal, you know, what do I need to know? Mm-hmm. And, or what, you know, what's not working right now or whatever yeah. question I have in my life, I'll write it down and see what my hands write. But um, I do really like this idea of going up to someone and saying, I haven't fully pro- figured out how to process this yet. So it's yeah. tender and I might say the wrong thing. Um, I'm hoping you could have patience with me and help me look mm-hmm. at this, you know? So I love what you shared about framing things. I think that it sets you up for success in the workplace too. If you have a weird conversation with your boss, even saying, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about my workload. I've been nervous to talk to you about it because I don't want to appear like I'm not yeah. a team player, you know, like just framing yeah. things. It, it's such a communication tool. So I love that you share that. Um, yeah, agreed. And can yeah. I say something else about the uh, oversharing on social media? Another suggestion we can have is, again, is learning how to be with your experience. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes something happens that's traumatic or intense or or even exciting news. And, and maybe you don't write when it happens. You don't go on social media and share it. To me, usually we're doing that because we're uncomfortable with the sensations and the feelings going on in our body. Mm-hmm. Could be positive or negative feelings. It doesn't matter. It's just... I can't wait to share this with someone, but maybe it's better to just sit and marinate in it for a little while. And, and maybe it's actually just belongs to you for a little bit. And then a good practice is again, sharing it with someone close. Then after you've done some processing, perhaps it's time to you know announce it to the world. You know, I love what you're sharing there. And, um, you know, what that really comes down to for me would probably be just that you weren't taught to self-soothe, right? Like, Cause yeah. when you get a rush of energy over your body. It's like some people need to go expel it in some way. Right. And so it's, it's good to know, like anybody listening, maybe ask themselves, you know, like, how do I navigate it when I have a rush of energy? It's big news. It's good news. It's bad news. It's whatever news. Can you yeah. sit with it? And if not, um, what are some healthy ways for you to start sitting with it um, and not projecting energy all over everyone, you know, and not managing yourself. So that's, that's a good one. Um, yeah, most of us did do kind of know how to, as you call it, self-soothe. We know how to, I would change that to be auto-regulate. We know how to like just automatically, um, look at our phone or eat some sugar or chocolate or eat some food or do something to like make this, the feeling change or go away. Mm -hmm. But what you and I are talking about is different. It's self-regulation. It's how do I ride the waves of my experience and be with the sensations and the emotions and stay present. That's mm-hmm. very different than just trying to, in a way, distract to feel better, which mm-hmm. is a lot, you know, I think is more self-soothing. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, in the field of uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, I was studying, you know, have you, have you ever looked at that field? It's uh, yeah, DBT, totally. DBT, yeah, I figured you definitely knew it probably even better than I do. Um, 
but they talk about subjective units of distress and suds, you know, and how, you know, you're zero to a hundred or in the negative 100. And there's like a certain number where when you're stressed at like a level 80 or something, you need like a physical way to calm yourself down, right? Like a freezer yeah. pack on your head. But if you're around 50 and your energy levels are, you know, kind of beaming and you just need to kind of lower and ground again, sometimes distractions are healthy. So totally. when you're in kind of middle zone, right? It's the, they show that distractions are good. So that's when I'll pop on some reality TV and be like, woof, I feel a little rush. Yeah. I'm not losing my mind. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to take a walk, you know, and, yeah, and I'm taking I, a break. It is, but it's interesting because in our culture, it feels like there's shame around distraction. Like, oh, you're trying to avoid this or that. But sometimes distraction <laughs> is a, a very powerful mental tool, isn't it? It's true. Yeah. And I, I think the personal growth scene can can make something like distraction wrong. Uh, yeah. I think most other people don't don't make it wrong. But I certainly think in the self-help kind of movement, there can be a pathologizing, right, to distraction. I, I like to say that every human behavior has an intelligent function behind it. Mm-hmm. It's all about choice. Can I choose to distract right now versus just have it be this default setting I just go to when I'm scared and I'm not conscious of it. Um, If we can get into choice, like you're saying, I'm just going to turn on Netflix and just binge out on three movies or three series right now because I just need a break. That's totally fine. I'm just going to scroll Instagram for the next hour while I lay in bed. Mm -hmm. Great. You're choosing that. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love that. Okay. And speaking of choices, um, you would talk to me a little bit about how relationships can help you with your purpose in life. And that felt like a bold statement, you know, especially because some people feel like their relationship is probably taking them away from their purpose, right? There's a lot of unhealthy relationships. So curious, like, um, how does that look when your relationship brings you closer to your purpose? And maybe if anybody's listening right now and they're really inspired by that, what can they perhaps do to, you know, I don't know, like move that forward or making that happen? Yeah. um, So I talk about, values here. And so for example, I'm, I'm going to be thinking of a client, a uh, recent client that I'm working with, uh, was working with, and he was feeling lost and overwhelmed and comparing himself to everybody and shooting himself that he should have a more clear purpose. Right. And his marriage is kind of in shambles right now. So I'm trying to help him see that the feedback that's going on in his marriage is just a symptom of how he's feeling about himself and how overwhelmed and lost he is. And then as we do a values exercise with him, we can start to see that he's actually already doing his highest value and he's focused on his purpose every day. He just wasn't seeing it because he's so mired in comparing himself to everybody. And as he starts to settle and realize I'm actually on purpose, even though it's not like a perfect job getting X salary, but it's actually very purposeful and meaningful to him, which is purpose to me, his marriage starts to improve because he's not such a mess to be around. Mm. And the mess in his marriage was actually helping him face this issue. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I love that. And um, I don't know if, if someone is sitting listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, like, I'm just mired in conflict in my relationship. I don't see a way out. It's not been an opportunity for us. We're just fighting nonstop. He doesn't get me. I don't get him. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um at what point do you say it's time to go? This is not, this conflict is not an opportunity. This conflict is just pain and masochism. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I guess it does happen, of course. Um, and I would say, have you thrown the kitchen sink at it? Have you actually tried everything? Have you tried expert guidance and facilitation with a very skilled relationship coach or facilitator? Have you really 
completely owned your part and done everything you could to take that to zero? Are you showing up fully um, and putting in all your effort so that when the relationship's over in five years, you look back and be like, I threw everything I had at that thing and it still didn't work. Mm -hmm. That's one thing, right? And, you know, honestly, people, I, I find that people in that situation haven't done that and they haven't read a book on how to work through conflict. They haven't studied it. And they haven't gotten a facilitator that knows how to help them get to zero or get to a better place. They ha they just haven't done that. Mm -hmm. They haven't tried that option because it's too expensive or it takes too much time or they're looking for immediate relief and then they're second guessing themselves. But most of us are pretty bad at conflict and we turn into a five-year-old or we, do, we act out in the ways we act out. Like this is very normal. So yeah. you're normal if you are not great at this. It's... We all need to learn somewhere we didn't learn and we just, just apply yourself and you can do it. And if it's still intractable, then yeah, um, most people will burn out. It's, it's sort of like boredom or burnout in a relationship or you, if you get too bored, you're probably gonna leave. If you start to, if you can't figure out the fight and get to resolution, you're probably going to leave because you're burned out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when you say bored, I find that that's such an interesting term. Like What's the difference? But like, where do people take responsibility that their relationship is feeling stale or that there's boredom versus like, you know, because I think a lot of the times it's it's on the people in the relationship to keep it good. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that? I think people that are bored usually aren't growing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, my my 14 year marriage here, 18 years in a relationship is far from boring. Um, it's It's exciting. It's also very fascinating to me. It's interesting who she is and how we maybe get stuck on the same things or we're in a new stage and there's like a new kind of conflict going on. It's crunchy. And it's like, to me, this shit's fascinating, but I study human beings for a living. So I, I, I have that attitude. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I think if you're bored, it's, you know, I'd look in the mirror and be like, what, what's boring about you and what are you not, are you maybe stuck in your consciousness in your life and your development? Maybe yeah. take some psychedelics or, do something to jumpstart your growth process. Yeah, actually, I've not really talked that much about psychedelics on the podcast. So if you're comfortable, I'd be curious just what yeah. your feedback is on that. I've tried mushrooms once and I found them to be pretty profound, but, you know, obviously disclaimer, like such a personal choice. It's still arguably a drug, even if it comes from the ground. Sure. Um, so yeah, what would be your feedback on psychedelics and why they work or why they don't? Yeah, I'm a big fan. Uh, I use psychedelics from time to time have for many years. My first real powerful mushroom experience was just in college. And I, I feel like it was the first time I fractured kind of an ego in me that was, that I didn't see previously. So it opened my mind to that. I was kind of being a fraud. Mm -hmm. it, it opened that door so that I could start to work on myself. Eventually it took me a while, but I, I got there. Um, so psychedelics can help us see what we're not seeing about ourselves, but they, they need to be done in a controlled setting with a skilled facilitator that knows what the fuck they're doing mm -hmm. and it's got to feel super safe to you and you need to, you know, it's got to be the right timing, the right setting, the right context. You have to have a clear intention and uh, a very skilled guide and then, and then they can really change your life. But mm -hmm. I don't recommend just taking a bunch of shrooms with some friends and seeing what happens. Honestly, it's like blown my mind. No judgment for anybody who's doing this, but I just don't understand how people can go party with mushrooms in them. Like I remember the yeah. time I did it, I just right. stood at the wall and opened my journal and wrote like 14 pages. So yeah. can't, can't imagine being social for that. 
I mean, I only I would do acid and, and drink beer in college and, and I just get in fights. Like it yeah. was just so aggressive and it, just my shadow would come out that was repressed. And so, you know, so psychedelics are extremely powerful substances and they really should be used with great care and guidance um, and support. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, is there something I haven't asked you about conflict or relationships that, you know, perhaps I should have by now, you know, just for everybody that has been listening? Yeah, I would just say, um, be a student of conflict, try not to run, or you'll keep creating these inner conflicts. Mm-hmm. And have your goal be two things. Uh, in an intimate partnership, you want to stand for three. And that means I take a stand for me, I take a stand for you, and I take a stand for us. You don't want to leave yourself behind in relationships. And you also don't want to be so pro-self that you leave the other person behind. So standing for three is just a nice way to think about an intimate partnership over time. Mm -hmm. And have your goal within that be to get to zero through all of your conflicts and make the repair and reconnection process the most important part. And plan on conflict happening for the rest of your life. So in an intimate partnership and in families, So you might as well get good at it. Mm, Love this so much. Where can everybody find you? Who should be reading your book? It sounds like something that would be good for everyone. Yeah, I think this book's great for anyone that's open to growing and learning about relationships and themselves through conflict. And uh, you can find me and all the the podcasts and everything at relationshipschool.com. And the book is on gettingtozerobook.com, depending on when this comes out. Of course, it's on Amazon or um, that website will point you in the right direction. Perfect. Thank you again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, Organifi, Soul CBD, SaneBox, and so much more. We are here because of you and our listeners. Thanks so much for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people we trust and for listening to the show, for writing reviews. Can't wait to talk to you next week.